0: Well, good morning, Church on the Rock. Oh, oh, come on, let's try that again, okay? I know it's been a while. I wasn't here last week. Good morning, Church on the Rock. Good morning. Oh, that warms my soul. It really does. I was, uh, I was down in the deep south of Texas last week, and uh, I did not pick up an accent, and uh, it was cloudy, so I didn't even get a tan. What was the use of it? and as i was speaking down there i was driving into this massive camp i, I guess you know when we, we hear about camps they had a, a 1200 acre camp and uh, i'm driving in this camp they said hey do you ever watch this uh, tv series called the chosen and i go yeah yeah like yeah fans fans right here like we love the chosen and i said well yeah well it's filmed all here i go what? And I got a tour of the place. I got to see the whole city of Capernaum and the whole city of uh, like Rome and uh, all that kind of stuff. So I had an amazing time, a lot of fun to be away. And uh, I listened to Tim's message. He did such a good job, didn't he? I just love how he tore. Yeah, yeah. If Tim was here, he would have received your encouragement. I love it that uh, when I am away that uh, you're well taken care of. So we're going to start a new series here soon. Uh, Thank you to all those who are online and and you all who are super fans who are going to come out to the whole series. This is a series that's going to be actually pointed at believers. If you're on your way to God, understand. I hope you can sort of sit back and look and say, oh, okay, this is interesting. This is what it means to be a believer. So before we get started, let's pray and uh, open God's, uh, before we open God's word. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, your word is just filled with instructions on this topic, just, just covered from, from, from cover to cover, and, and there's got to be some really good reasons why this is so important for you to, to talk about peace in our finances. So over these uh, next few weeks, Lord, I, I pray that you'll help us understand your word Help us to understand why it's such a huge part of your heart. We trust in you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want you just to be still for a while. Take a deep breath. I'm going to say a word. Peace. Let's try it. Let's try that again. Take a deep breath. Peace. Do you feel peace? Would you like to feel more of peace? <laughs> is peace something that is important to us? I know it is for me. I know it's something I would love to hear feel more and more of just peace. In fact, Jesus came and, and said, Listen, my peace I give you. Uh, th- this is going to be different from the world's peace. The world is going to try and give you another kind of counterfeit peace. But my peace I give you and I leave with you. As peace is so much more than just the absence of war, the Jewish people understood peace to be the presence of something, they call it shalom. And uh, as you see, you know, historical documentaries, people will greet each other with shalom. Shalom means completeness, wholeness. It, it, it would be like building a wall and there's no cracks or holes in it. It's a shalom wall. It's a, it's a whole and complete wall. When, when David was sent to check out his brothers at the, the time of, of David and Goliath, his father said, hey, could you go? And check out on, on your brothers to check on their shalom. Basically, did they have everything? Like, you know, a good mom and dad. Did they have their meal? You know, how's, you know, how's it all going? Are they whole? Are they complete? Is this a good thing? Are they in a good space right now? Are they having shalom? And that is the peace that, that God talks about. It's translated in many ways. It's translated as wholeness, soundness, completeness, safety, security, prosperity, welfare, tranquility, contentment, and well-being. When you see a Jewish greeting, to, to, when somebody says shalom, basically, I'm wishing everything to be good for you. I wish you to be whole and good. It's interesting, it says in Isaiah 53, 4-5, to five, <clears throat> surely he has borne our griefs and our sorrows. This is a, a, a prophecy about what's going to come as far as uh, Jesus goes when, when he comes to earth. Surely he has borne our, our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken and smitten by God. It was like an exchange. said, so we, we don't have to carry these griefs and sorrows. We cast our cares on him, and he cares for us. And he said, but, but he was pierced for our transgressions and crushed for our iniquities, so we don't have to carry our own transgressions and iniquities. He paid for them on the cross. And upon him was a chastisement that brought us peace, that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. It's almost as if God is saying, <clears throat> I'm going to give you a gift in this whole transaction. And it's a transaction of peace. I'm going to give you my, the gift of my son. And inside this gift is peace with me, peace with me is amazing. So we get peace with God. And he says, listen, cast your, give me your life and I will give you peace with me. But inside that peace is also peace with yourself as he wants to build that peace with yourself. And then inside that is peace with others. This, this whole wholeness of shalom comes with Jesus when we say yes to him. Yes to him. And God wants this beautiful gift To be given to us and then sometime in our life sometimes what happens is somebody comes along and steals our shalom it steals our peace and takes it away we can't remove the peace that he has with us we have with him but they start removing some of the little pieces of peace we have and God does not like that God says no hold on I bought your peace I, I came here to give you peace with me but in your life and And with each other, I I want you to be people living in completeness and shalom. And so that gets stolen. And so this is a big deal for God. This is like a really big deal. He said, hold on, hold on. I died to give that to you. And now you're letting that get stolen? So what steals it, Dave? What steals our peace? (laughs) You can guess it with the whole series here. What, ha- what steals our peace? You know, in the top three stressors of married people, finances is right there in the middle. This top stressor of single life, the top two stressors of single life, finances is right there. And so if, if finances is our top stressors in our life, and it steals our peace, how do you think God feels about that? Well, let's read some of the scripture about how he actually feels about that. In Matthew 6, 28 to 33, it goes like this. Jesus speaking here. So why do you worry about clothes? Huh? Why do you worry about them? <laughs> I go, wow, you got to have some, yeah? And you got to be slightly in, in style. And, and as I look out here, some of you worry more than others. It's great. <laughs> See how the flowers of the field grow? They labor and spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. So if, if that's how God clothes the grass of the field here today and gone tomorrow and thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you? <clears throat> in other words, you're worrying about the very thing that God promises. No, I'm going to take care of this. I'm going to take care of it. And you're going, no. I really don't think you're gonna take care of it. I, I really don't think that's what you're gonna help me with here. <clears throat> and so Jesus continues, so don't worry, saying what shall we eat, what should we drink, what shall we wear, and then he says, for the pagans run after these things. In other words, the world out there is really concerned about what you wear what you drive, what phone you use, uh, what, you just start to add them all up. The world out there is chasing that. And pretty soon we're going to have an event called Super Bowl where people are spending obscene amounts of money on a commercial to try and get you to be unhappy with what you have so you'll buy whatever they're gonna have. So the pagans run after these things. Yet your heavenly father knows you need them. He knows that. He knows that. And and, and the assumption is he's going to take care of you. I'm going to be your provider. I'm going to be your safety net. I'm going to be your joy. I want to be everything in your life. And again, if you're looking on the outside in saying, really? Yeah, God God wants to do that in us. And so he says, listen, here's, here's the deal seek first his kingdom. Seek first his kingdom. In fact, let your mind, if it's going to be worried about something, let it be spinning about, okay, God and, and spreading the good news and, and, and love in and the kingdom of God here. Let, let, let your, your whole self be focused on what God focuses on and his righteousness. All these other things, they'll be given to you. What? Yeah, yeah, you'll get your clothes, you'll get your car. God will take care of that. That's kind of secondary. That's not number one. That's all going to come along. So, to sum this up, I'd say your financial worries are robbing God of first place. And so, robbing you of shalom. Robbing you of shalom. I always think it, it in terms of, uh, of relationships. I always think about it in, in terms of relationships. There's some. Um, you imagine looking at some, some people who go out to eat, right? And uh, have you ever seen this? You had a restaurant. And and what what are both couples doing? They're sitting across from each other. Right? Right? <laughs> and you go, wow, they're having a really, really good time right now, aren't they? They're really connected because they are both in their own world, connecting with other people and doing other things. And that's basically what God is saying. Come on, let's have a meal together. <gasps> How are you doing? What's going on in your life? How, how are we doing? I, I, I want to care for you. I want to hear you. And you know what we're doing? We're going, man, I, I just got to get some more. Sleep. This is not working out well. I'm not being provided for. I don't have any joy left in my life. And we're distracted from the very person who promises us these things. Who's my provider? Who's my joy? Who's my safety net? So I'm gonna continue reading what Jesus was saying in this passage. Uh, Matthew chapter six, verse 20, it goes like this. But store up for yourself treasures in heaven. Treasures in heaven. Where moths and vermin don't destroy it. Where thieves don't break in and steal. For where your treasure is, There your heart will be also. See, God is less concerned about your finances than he is about your heart. He just wants your heart. He loves your heart. He loves you. He died to save you. He just wants this living, awesome relationship with you. And he wants to sit across the table with you and deeply listen to you and deeply speak to you. And he loves that, And he wants you to go and say, oh, I feel so much peace because guess what? God is my savior. I can trust in him. And he wants that. That's love to him that's his love language trust and faith he wants that so he said listen whatever your mind is spinning on that's where that's where your treasure is i want to be your treasure have your mind spinning on me then then there's a passage here that a lot of people you read it and you go Wow, well, i don't get that one that is like, oh, I've to sort of skim that one. You know how you skim a passage? You know when you read through the Bible in a year and you hit the genealogies? Okay, so this is one of the genealogy passages almost. Okay, let, let's read this. And let's unpack it and try and understand it. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. Does that mean if you need glasses, you're spiritually unhealthy? No. Uh, and he says, uh, if, <clears throat> if then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one, despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. He says, okay, so what do you do with your eyes? What do you do with your eyes? Just look at things, right? You look at things. That's pretty basic. This is what you do with your eyes. And so as you look at things, you'll notice whatever your 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 eyes stay on, land on for a while, that's what you desire. You walk through a mall, you go huh and then whoa, you look at something in the mirror that looks really cool. Whatever your eyes land on and stay on for a while, that's what you desire. That's why guys, okay, if you're in a relationship, all right? you're with you're with even when you're not with your girlfriend you can't go looking at somebody else okay that's just not that's not allowed (laughs) you can't say oh i was only looking no because whatever you are looking at that's what your heart is is saying i i really desire that because whatever your eyes are focused on that's where your desire is what you look at is what you desire in fact I believe the length of your gaze measures your desire. So that's what that passage is saying. If your eyes are filled with light, if you're looking at light, if you're looking at God's kingdom, if you're looking at all the things that are happening with him, and guess what? Then your whole body is filled with light, and you're growing and and living in him, and it's a good thing. But if you're looking at things that, that steal away your attention, it starts to darken your whole soul. Well, what, what could be so horrible that would darken your whole soul? What would be the thing that, that steals the light from our bodies? He says, no one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate one or love the other. You can't be looking over there. You're supposed to be looking over here. You can't have your eyes focused on two people. So he says, you can be devoted to one, despise the other. You can't serve both God and money and serve God and money. You see, money promises us peace. If you have enough of me, you're gonna be okay. Isn't that that it? Because you're going, oh man, I need more. Why? because you need to pay the rent, right? I need more. I've got these stupid bills and food is so expensive. I don't want to eat another KD dinner kind of thing, right? Okay, I need more because guess what? If I had more, it would promise me some peace, and my stomach would feel better. Money promised me safety. I don't have a lot saved up. And what happens if everything goes wrong? I, if I just had more, I would have more safety. And can I be honest? Scroll through Instagram and see everybody down. How did they get to go to Bahamas again? Wow, How, is this their third cruise? Oh my goodness, Ah, our lives suck. I need more money because where is my joy found? My joy found is in the finances I have. So all these things, money provides uh, promises, peace, safety, and joy. If I can be slightly convicting at this moment, it whispers, I will be your Jesus for you. If you only have more of me, I will give you everything you need if you only have more of me. And that's what Jesus was getting at. You can't serve one and the other. It doesn't mean you can't have money and, and still serve God. Some of the greatest people in the Bible had lots of resources, but their heart was wrapped up in God. And God used that as a gift to so many other people. So how do we guard our heart? How do we guard our heart? This is the first message on how do we guard our heart to be able to get financial peace in our life. Here is what I believe, number one thing. We're going to start with one. There's many more ways to guard our heart. First of all, it is talking about joy. Joy, enjoy God and his good gifts. Just enjoy God, wrap yourself up with him. Just come and at his feet and find your joy that we just had We just had a seminar called Hearing God. And oh my goodness, it was good. Wasn't it good? Oh, (laughs) woo! It was awesome. Man, we didn't get five minutes into it and the Kleenex box was going around. Man, we were crying and going, oh, God, you're awesome. I feel your love and I hear your love and you're just the best. And, and you know, at that moment when people were connecting with God and loving God and worshiping without a song, it was wonderful. Nobody said in their heart of hearts, I wish I had more, a better job. Right? Why? Because everything is found at the feet of Jesus and we're drinking it in and loving it. And I think as we enjoy God and his good gifts towards us, I believe that somehow immunizes us against the world whispering, no, I can be your Jesus. I could be your Jesus. Let me give you a couple verses that say that. Philippians 4, 11 to 13. Um, what, what happens here is Paul. Paul was... Uh, was were, you know uh, doing uh, doing ministry around, uh, around the Aegean sea and uh, during that time uh, he was given gifts from different churches that way he can spend all his time full time you know 24/7 ministering to other people and then he ran out of gifts and so in order to be able to, to eat, he started tent making. So he, he did his tent making, and he did it what he could. And I was just ripping, ripping his heart out because he wished he could spend more time ministering to other people and planting churches. And so some of the churches were writing to him and saying, oh, you know what? We have money set aside. We want to free you up so you can spend all your time planting churches and, and spreading the gospel. We have that set. But you know what? We, we didn't get the right person. We didn't think it's safe. There were reasons why we didn't get that to you. And they, and they wrote an apology in the letter, almost feeling guilty, saying, oh, my goodness, we're so sorry that didn't get to you. So what do you think Paul said in return? This is what he said in return, Philippians 4, 11 to 13. He said this, not that I was ever in need. And In other words, he says, we're good. We're good. Don't feel guilty about that. I, I know your heart. I know you want to help the, the good news to spread. Don't feel guilty about that. Not that I was ever in need, for I've learned how to get along happily, happily. We say that word, we, we, we go over that word too fast. Can we say happily? happily. Okay, he wasn't suffering. He wasn't, oh, okay, I'm doing this for Jesus. <laughs> he was going, I'm good, happily, whether I have much or little. You see how unplugged he was from the world around him? All the values of the world, the things the pagans chase after, as Jesus said. Didn't faze him either way. He could have a lot or he could have a little. The lot or little didn't matter. doesn't matter how much stuff you have. You can have a lot of stuff, have a little stuff. So I know how to live on almost nothing (laughs) or with everything. I've learned the secret of, here's the beautiful word, contentment in every situation. I'm just, I'm content. That's a happy word. That's a, that's a joyful word. That's a, God is good. God is so good kind of word. Whether it's be on a full stomach or hunger, plenty or want. And then the verse that we all remember. For I can do everything that God asked me to do with his help of Christ and gives me strength and power. I'm happy. I'm happy in Jesus so I'm content. At what I have for, with my happiness because I have Jesus. It, this is not a contentment with your spiritual life. You, I think there should be a, a holy discontent. I want to keep on growing. I don't have enough of Jesus. I think there's a a holy discontent too that he's put in us in in work situations. I want to move things forward. I want to work hard. Those are good things. This is about our contentment of of our soul, of our happiness, of of our joy with him. No, I'm content because I have Jesus. The Bible is spread for this. Uh, In in Psalm, it says this, Psalm 37, trust in the Lord and do good. It's a little summary statement in Psalms. Can you just, just trust him? Trust him, and he'll take care of you. And do good things to other people. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. In other words, you've got flocks and things, so let them graze and do whatever pasture animals do. But you know what? You're safe. Why are you safe? Because you're just trusting in God. So you're safe. He's going to take care of you. So just enjoy it. You know, sit back and Look. Uh, yeah I know you this is awesome look at all I have take delight in the Lord he'll give you the desires of your heart because your desires will be so aligned with him that every desire he, he answers you go oh my goodness you're amazing Look what you've done for me, God. Why? Because your desires are aligned with him and you're enjoying his good gifts. It's a good way to live. Contentment in him. First Timothy in the New Testament, 6-7, talks about the rich and the poor. And, and, and he's talking to the rich. He said their, their pride and trust should be in the living God who always richly gives us, richly gives us, Richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. He gives you everything you need for your enjoyment. You go, wow, I think I could enjoy life a lot more if I I lived that life over there, right? But don't we have enough examples of movie stars and those people who say, it's not what it's about. I'm not sure if you've heard that, that quote from Jim Carrey. He says, I wish everyone here could be millionaires and famous, so you will know that it provides no happiness. I thought, wow, that's awesome. And I know some of you are going, well, uh, I'd like to try. <laughs> give me a shot at it, and I'll see how happy I could be. But God says, You have me, you have everything. So enjoy me. Enjoy the good gifts I give you, revel in them. Just. Love what I have given. you. Uh, we have all that we need for our enjoyment. I, I believe our enjoyment of God and His good gifts immunizes us against the dark eyes of seeing the things that that seem to steal the light of our bodies away. I uh, I went to a uh, I went to a, a conference when I was a teenager, and I know uh, some of you are old enough to have been there too. It was uh, it was amazing. And uh, there's one thing that this, this man put out. He put out definitions. He spent his life trying to make up good definitions of character qualities. And I always enjoyed them because he seemed to hit the depth of, of what these character qualities were. And he took this from 1 Timothy 6-7, that, that God has given us all that we need for our enjoyment. And this is a character quality he, he put out there. And this has been a part of my, my memory work in my life. What he defines as contentment is this. Contentment is realizing that God has provided everything I need for my present happiness. Period. He's already provided. Now, that's hard for some of you to choke down. (laughs) But Dave, man, you don't know my job. (laughs) You know, you don't know my job. No, no, I... I know about your job. You don't know about my apartment. Oh my goodness. The creepy crawlies that come in from other people's apartments. Oh my goodness. You don't know how lonely I am. You don't know about my spouse. (laughs) You don't know about my food situation. Yeah, but I do know about your God. I do know about his good gifts. And I believe to the bottom of my soul, the more we enjoy God and the good gifts he gives us, it is what we need to be able to stay away from the corrosiveness of of life of life it's interesting this this looking out at other people the uh, the opposite of contentment the Bible has a word for it it's actually in the Big Ten all right the big Ten that's the Ten Commandments if you didn't know that's the, the big Ten <laughs> I think we could, I think if we went around, we might be able to get them all. I don't know if we, we could. You need a better Bible teacher up here. I don't know. Could, you know, could we get them all? I, okay, I know you're not supposed to murder people. Okay, check. That's a good one. You're not supposed to lie. Okay, that's another good one. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Let's, see you know, if you list them. And then there's one where you go, okay, I'm good. I love the Lord. Yeah. I, I'm good. You know, I, I don't use his name in vain. I'll say a lot of other stuff, but I won't use his name in vain. I'm, I'm good there. And you check through and you go, Well, I haven't killed anybody. That's good. And then you come to one. It's sort of like a catch all. <laughs> you're not supposed to covet other people's things. You're not supposed to want their car or their house or their husband or their wife or their job or their kids or their health. You just list it. When we have our eyes, other people and what they have they become dark and it darkens our whole soul and we start to wish why didn't god we're all along god said i've given you everything you need i've given you me and 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 peace within yourself and peace within a a community i've given that all to you (laughs) but we look at the gift and go stupid gift We'd never actually say that. Now, it's really easy for me to say that, isn't it, Dave? Because I certainly don't have any temptations to want other things. (laughs) Sign me up. I'm right on there. I'm first in line, man. I really am first in line. I remember going down to Atlanta. And uh, we were going to go and visit other churches. There's a church uh, that was called Twelve Stone and uh, it was known for its artistic bent. And I remember walking over this bridge over a creek. It was awesome. And you came into this big glass frontage, and this big glass frontage had this, had this angel. I'd say it was at least 20 feet high in stained glass. One, one wing was a stained glass wing, and then there's this bronze, bronze statue that went into that wing. I just went, oh, my goodness. I went to see the videos they shot to be able to to share around the world. And I, I sat down with their staff and found out how many people they're influencing for Christ every single week. I go, this is amazing. And then the guy said, yeah, this is how old I am. This is how long I've been doing it. I go, that's my age. You've been doing it the same amount of time I have. My stupid life. Isn't that awesome? This is your pastor. I'd walk around, I couldn't be in there anymore. I couldn't enjoy it. I couldn't enjoy other people's gifts because I was deciding to hold on to my own sin. <laughs> it's called covetousness. It's called looking at somebody else's race. It's look looking at somebody else's game. It's called looking somewhere else except on Jesus, going, oh my goodness, look what we have. Look at you all. Aren't you awesome? You are beautiful people. I've known some of you for far too long. It's great. Not only that, we have this property of ninety-seven. When I people, you have ninety-seven acres. Yeah, I wish I was like you. Oh. now, wild. When we look at other people, <laughs> and so Jesus goes, Dave, <laughs> in gentleness, <laughs> keep your eyes on me, Dave. Your whole body will be filled with light. Why? Because I go to a hearing God seminar and my buddies cry. And I listen to him and he makes me cry. And I know my home is forever with him. And I know he says, whenever I I write down hearing God things, I do listening prayer. He always starts with, David, my son. It's awesome. He loves me. Don't get jealous. He loves you too. (laughs) it's amazing i realize how desperately i should not be looking in comparison as 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 one speaker said there's no finish line in comparison if i had this i guess what i would want this if i had this i would want this it just keeps on going there's how when will you have enough ecclesiastes puts it beautifully ecclesiastes 4 4 to 5 I saw all the toil and achievements spring from one person's envy of another. This too is meaningless. Thank you, Ecclesiastes. A chasing after the wind. Could you imagine trying to chase and catch the wind? <laughs> you just keep on going. It's like a marathon with no finish line. I just need to get ahead of the next person. I just need to get ahead of the next person. The, the end... We already have. It's called Jesus. Peace with him. Peace with ourselves. Peace with you all. I got it all. I have it all. I'm going to enjoy that. I need to enjoy God and his good gifts. And so for a moment now, as we we end up, I I want you to take this in. Can we just slow down and take this in? As if God were speaking this to you himself. I'm going to ask you to say some things out loud and and to, to receive it in your heart. Number one, I'm a child of the king. I'm a child of the king. I am a child of the king. We say that together. Let's not just rush over it. Say it slowly. Receive it. You are enjoying God and his good gifts. Here we go. One, two, three. I am a child king. Hmm. I'm looking out at God's family. My family. It's a good thing. How about the next one? My heavenly father cares for me. My heavenly father cares for me. Let's repeat this one. Here we go. One, two, three. My heavenly father Care. Thank you, God. How about this one? I only need to do what He asks of me. I only need to do what He asks of me. I put that one in especially for myself. Sorry, you are my therapy session. Let's say this together. One, two, three. I only need to do what He asks of me. I have it all because I have Jesus. This is the first week as we're trying to understand how do we get peace around finances. And I think this is the good base to come to. I have Jesus and I have it all. As our worship team come on, uh, is, comes forward, I have uh, one last story to tell you. It's called the pineapple story. The pineapple story. And uh, here is, uh, there's, there's a missionary, and uh, this missionary uh, decided he wanted to plant a pineapple f- plantation, so he did. He said that it took the plants three years to be able to mature enough to be able to produce the pineapples, so they, he planted them all, and the people around them all looked with eager eyes at the pineapples. And he kept on saying every year, these are my pineapples, all right? You can go and grow your own, but these are my pineapples. And all the people said, yes, missionary. <laughs> when, the, when it came time in the third year and the pineapples were going, and he said, this is amazing. Look at them all. And just, be, just before they are ripe, he went out one day and they're all stolen. He said, what? What? How could you do this to me? And, he, and they said, well, no, what's yours is mine. Mine is yours. And they all sort of had these sly grins. And he kept on saying, no, no, no. So he ripped them all out. And he said, okay. Now he planted another rope. He said, listen, now these are mine. These are my pineapples. And so they, they grew and, and they waited three years. And, and, and the people looked at them with great joy. <laughs> and just before they are ripe, they were all gone again. And he said, no, you people. These are the people he's supposed to be ministering to. These are the people he's supposed to bring the peace of Jesus to, right? Because he was more concerned about his pineapples than the people. (laughs) God got a hold of his heart, and God whispered, give them to me. Give what you worry most about to me. And so he got down on his knees, and he said, okay, God, they're yours. And so when the next crop came up, He started to see them missing. He wasn't concerned. And the people said, missionary, why aren't you concerned? He said, they're not mine. What do you mean they're not yours? I gave them to God. You're stealing God's pineapples. What? No. No, we can't be stealing God's pineapples. All the bad things will happen to us. It's up to you. They're, They're his, though. And so the, the whole community didn't know what to do because they were God's pineapples. And so some actually got ripe and they sort of looked at them and the whole community said, well, what are we gonna do with them? Since they're God, is God gonna come by and harvest them? He we said, well, let's ask God. So they asked God and I said, I think what we're supposed to do is harvest them and eat them together. So they did that. In fact, they did that year after year. Why? Because he held up his hands and said, God, the thing I worry most about I'm giving to you. You take care of it. It's yours. It's not mine. I surrender this to you. I want this one off my shoulders. It's yours. And the peace that comes from Jesus himself, comes inside of him, follows. So what we're going to do in in a moment, I'm going to ask you to put your hands up like this and just say, okay, Spirit of God, what am I worried most about? I want you to surrender it to Jesus. I want you to surrender it to Jesus. Okay, Jesus, you have it. This is yours now. It's not mine. It might be a person. It might be a relationship. It might be a thing. It might be a situation. I'll let Jesus speak to you. Let's hold your hands up and say, okay, here we go. Spirit of God, could you speak to us? What would you want me to surrender to you? It's yours. Heavenly Father, you are our peace. You are our provider. You are our one. And everything comes from you. Lord, help us in your strength to live that. In Jesus' name, amen. As uh, as we get ready to worship, the communion table is open prayer corner is open and there's a card right by the communion table and if you want you could write down in one word what you surrendered to God maybe put your first name beside it just to remind yourself and encourage the other people in this room yes we are giving these things just one not the whole thing just one at a time what are we giving to him and let's worship him take it away